0: Welcome to Grootools. This week, phone screens, part two. The questions this cast answers are, what is a phone screen? What should I expect from a phone screen? And how can I excel at a phone interview? So the next uh, section we have in our outline is prepare what you'll say.
1: All right, so... Anyone who's ever tried to talk off the cuff about any subject, even one that they're really passionate about, will have found themselves going off on tangents and backtracking and using a lot of filler words. Those things like, um, er, ah, you know, and like, for example. The first time that you say any sentence, it doesn't come out with fluidity. So for an ordinary day when, again, no risk situation, ordinary day that's totally fine none of us actually speak with perfection all day every day
0: when you only have 30 minutes to impress someone you want those sentences to come out fluidly there's nothing like talking about how to speak properly to make you not be able to speak properly I've learned this at Toastmasters every time you try and tell people how to talk nicely to present or or speak you immediately can't speak yourself So you want your sentences to be fluid and that you've practiced them so that the words come out in the right order. And you can make the same point in less words. And so you save time in the interview so you can make more points. If I just think of something that I want to tell you, then I'll ramble and use filler words or use things that You don't need or say or and be really slow because I'm thinking still. Whereas if I if it's something I've practiced, then I take less time. And every time I take less time, I can add in a point.
1: Practicing is great, but you don't want to sound like a robot because you've rehearsed so many times because you're reading your points, for example, You need to have rehearsed enough so that you can quickly look at a point, form, paragraph around it using phrases that are deeply in your brain. You can say them like you can say your own phone number without consciously engaging your memory.
0: Yeah, and that only comes with lots and lots of practice. And people feel like if they practice too much, then they will sound like a robot. But if you practice too little and you're reading your points, then you are going to sound like a robot. So more practice is better. So, for example, if you're asked about your current role, and you almost certainly will be, want to be able to give a clear, concise summary of what you were doing and what your successes were. So, for example, I've been working in IBM at the business services division. It acts like a management consultancy company, but for technology. I've been promoted twice after having 100% of my customers request that I return for additional work over five projects in two years. Now, nobody, I don't think, could say that without having practiced it or thought about those words and how they fit into sentences and whether or not they're the right words and whether or not you're saying something twice or uh, or more.
1: Writing them down. I find writing down really helpful because then you make sure you're always doing the same, you're practicing the same script to a certain degree so that you have those words down. It's information that, yeah, you know this like the back of your hand, but unless you formulate it, you're going to be babbling on about it.
0: It's like the two-minute speech people say, a two-minute speech or an elevator speech for entrepreneurs to be able to describe their business. It's like that. And, you know, entrepreneurs practice them. They... They hone them, they look at the words, they they decide on the best words to fit into that two minutes, and then they practice until they can say it when they're coincidentally in an elevator with whoever it is that can fund their thing so you know if they find themselves in an in an elevator with mark zuckerberg and that was the person that they wanted to buy their company they can say their two-minute description of their company in two minutes without thinking and without worrying at the same time oh my gosh i'm so nervous that's actually mark zuckerberg look he's wearing a hoodie and all the things that would go through your mind if you've learned it enough your mind your mind can be chattering and you it can still be coming out of your out of your mouth
1: For recruiters and hiring managers, not being able to answer fairly superficial questions that are going to be asked in the phone interview is extra damning because you can be almost certain what those questions will be before they're even asked. So for example, you're definitely going to be asked to, like Wendy just mentioned, to describe the role that you're currently in. Um, Not to be prepared for these types of questions can be extrapolated as doesn't prepare for anything. And then you're working against an already negative impression. Yeah.
0: When people can't answer questions that it was obvious were going to be in the interview, I just start start making negative negative points Mm -hmm. and they keep going. And many of those questions will be asked in your interview if you get to one. So you might be practicing for a phone screen, but you're also practicing for an interview. So hopefully you're taking that seriously. And so the practice is serious. So practice things like describing your current role, describing your work history, describing any experience that is particularly relevant to the job. So if you're gonna be a ethernet cable manager, on a submarine and you've already done it on submarines then you want to make sure that you can describe that experience rather than any other general manager of ethernet cables job that you did Answer: tell me about yourself because tell me about yourself is going to be asked in one form or another in every single interview that you go to including this one and then Practice answering at least one behavioral question that you think may come up. So if you're a project manager, it's probably going to be about managing people that you don't have power over because that's how projects work. If you're an accounts manager, it's probably going to be something dealing with um, divisions, not wanting you to give data because that's the number one problem that accountants have in big companies. So you know in your profession what the number one problem is. And so practice an answer to that question. if you don't ask it, you can use it later.
1: In addition to that, you'll want to have memorized or have handwritten uh, in your notes a question for you to ask the interviewer. This is a question that it could be tricky to think of on the spot, but you have to keep in mind when you're interviewing for these things, each and everything is being paid attention to by the interviewer, so the question itself is quite important. It's often the case that there isn't time for you to ask a question, but if there is and you don't have one, you just lost points, since it doesn't take very long to prepare a question.
0: Prepare a question. (laughs) Easy. So, the final part of our outline is display energy and display pleasantness. So this is about the way you're gonna communicate with the person listening. And we want to build rapport, which everybody can do, but we want to really tell the interviewer by the way that we're speaking that we have energy and that we're a nice person to work with. Remember right at the beginning when we said that part of what the hiring manager is looking for at this point is just to check off. Yes, can communicate reasonably. Yes, sounds like a normal person. And so this part is where you check those things off for the hiring manager.
1: The difference between a recruiter or hiring manager saying, yeah, the guy was okay, had all the right stuff, but I didn't quite get it from him and we should interview this one is rapport.
0: And there's not much time to ask questions or answer anything very deeply as we've already discussed. So it's hard to build rapport, but it can be done. And it's hard to display energy and display the fact that you're a nice person to work with and that you're pleasant, but there are ways that it can be done.
1: So you want to begin the call by smiling. Smile all the time when you're talking and when you're listening If it helps, put a picture of someone or something in front of you. I know for myself, uh, when I was practicing the presenting piece of my job, I had a large sticky note up on the wall and just a drawing of a face with a huge smile and the word smile at the bottom, just to remind myself to keep a smile on my face. And studies show that weird as it is, humans are amazingly accurate they can guess someone's emotions by only listening. In fact, we're so good, we can often do it when someone isn't even speaking the same language that we know. We know that smiling makes people more amenable to us because our body says, I'm not a threat. So further to that, we can hear the smile in someone else's voice and we have the same physiological response. So to make your interviewer feel comfortable... Smile.
0: We should do a test. If I say this without smiling and I say this when I am smiling, can you tell the difference?
1: Absolutely, 100%. Yeah.
0: So the other thing to do is begin by thinking pleasant and polite tone. That's your baseline. When they say their name, they say, Hey Jim, it's great to talk to you. How are you? Make sure you say their name because Dale Carnegie says it's the sweetest sound that anybody will hear. And make sure that the rest of your conversation doesn't dip below that baseline of pleasant and polite. We all know when we go into a grocery store and the cashier looks like he's been there for three days and he's really tired and he talks really like this and he says, how are you? And you think, really? You're just saying that because you are told to. And the difference between someone who is enjoying being there and says hi how are you and you can tell the difference so you want to start with a fairly high baseline you're never going to go down to how are you you're always going to start with the baseline and then you're going to add energy and add pleasantness to that
1: energy and pleasantness they're nothing more than behaviors it has really nothing to do with how you feel inside right? You could be having the worst day of your life. Now, that said, behaviors like smiling and being polite, all they are is extra things, steps that you engage in so that you come across as more enthusiastic, right? So they don't want to hear about your bad day or that you're tired or that you're rushed. Believe us, your day is not that bad. (laughs) They're going to think, wow, that guy's a hero for going through a day like that and still doing this.
0: I've never thought that.
1: <laughs> right. Instead, say something like, I've had a great day and I'm really excited to talk to you.
0: Or if you want, you could do that with more energy. So I'm having a great day and I'm really excited to talk to you. And you still won't have too much energy. You can speak more quickly, louder and more enthe- with more enthusiasm than you usually do because no one is ever high enough energy in an interview. The interviewer has probably done, if they're doing phone screens, they're probably doing two an hour for an entire eight-hour shift if they're in HR. And so the interviewer has done this already six times and they've done it already 40 times this week. And so if you are just normal, if you're on that baseline of pleasant and energy, then they're not going to notice. So you can be much higher, much higher energy, much more enthusiasm than you think you can be in order to get noticed.
1: This kind of goes back to the same physiological response that we talked about with the smile. Mm -hmm. If you bring that energy and that excitement, then they have more energy, more excitement, because you're almost giving it to them.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: That and also your energy is going to be attenuated by the telephone or the VoIP line or whatever it may be. That's going to take away some of that excitement. So the more you can deliver, the better. Exactly. Exactly.
0: So here's another reason for having rehearsed your answers. It's because it gives you your some brain power to listen and listen really hard. So if you've listened to all of our disc guidance and you've been to our effective communications conference, you'll know that you can tell people's disc profiles by what they say and how they say it. Even if you don't have all of the other things that you would normally want to make a judgment, just what they say and how they say it, you can tell. So if you are confident to do so. If you've been practicing tailoring your style and you're listening really hard and you can hear that this person is a DIS or C, then go ahead and tailor your communication to that person. But remember, don't go low energy. Just because someone's reserved doesn't mean low energy. It doesn't mean talk super slow. It means just come down a little tiny bit. All
1: right, so in summary... A phone screen is a short period where you have to demonstrate competence in a small subset of skills. Now, however, most of us can't do that and listen and develop rapport without practicing the parts we can practice. We'd argue that you can practice listening and rapport building to anyone that you meet that you don't know each and every day of your life you can practice on
0: that's why communication is so great because you have 50 times to practice every day the person in starbucks the person in the grocery store the person who's making gestures to you at the lights there's all those people to practice on
1: i recommend doing that a lot when i'm doing the effective communications conference it's a low risk situation when you walk up to the teller if you see a smile and excitement give it back That's just the rapport building that you can use every day with people. And again, you get to leave that situation and you will never see them again. So if you fall flat on your face, it's not that big a deal.
0: And some people worry that they're going to have to develop a relationship with, that, with the person if they do it. And they do see them infrequently, but regularly. So my mailman, I see because I happen to go to the mailbox at the same roughly time as he comes to deliver, but it's all right. He's never invited me to his house, even though I smile and ask him how his day is and commiserate on the weather. So people are sometimes afraid of that because they're afraid of the consequences but no bad consequences are going to come from it. You know, the good consequences. you've learned something about your communication style and how to communicate. So phone screens are often looked over by candidates. They think, oh, this is just a formality. They're just checking some boxes and, you know, I really need to work on my interview. And that's not the case. The hurdle of the phone screen is there that you have to overcome because otherwise you don't get the interview. And it is an opportunity for you to sound, uh, sound different and to have better answers than other people. Just remember that HR person who's already done 40 of these in a week. If you can be pleasant and polite and have energy and have answers to the questions they're going to ask and be able to say their name and and have a little chit chat at the beginning, you stand out in a sea of people who all sound the same after 40 of them. And that's what you want to do. You want to stand out so that the comments on your sheet are better than anybody else's. And then you have a higher chance of getting to the interview. And in, in, in the interview, the hiring manager is primed to like you.
1: We talk about it all the time when we say that first impressions matter. This is just your first impression, right? Make it matter.
0: Absolutely. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks, Wendy. Bye, everyone. That's not all we know about phone screens, but it's enough to get you started. If you want more, go to the website and put phone screens in the search box. If you enjoyed this podcast and you want the how-tos of management wherever you are, check out the free Manager Tools mobile app. It's available on both ios and android devices go to the apple store or the google play store and download the manager tools app just search for manager tools in the respective store or go to the manager tools website www.manager-tools.com and you'll find the links on the bottom of the homepage. once you've installed the manager tools app you'll have access to all the manager tools and career tools shows anytime anywhere you want with easy searching of podcasts by category using the map of the universe, or using built-in search functions, it couldn't be easier. Additionally, if you're Manager Tools personal licensee, you'll have easy access to all the show notes right from the app whenever you want. Go to the App Store and download the Manage Tools mobile app. You'll be happy you did.